Conversations, recorded on 9-29-2019 with Julie James. We're going to bounce some rough trade ideas. Okay. What's on your brain? One of the ideas that I found tempting, very, very tempting, although it doesn't fit my unicorn thing at all, is the... Um, that Sumner idea that we've talked about a couple that we talked about in the podcast. Um, we were plotting about what was that plot? What was that? What was that plot drift? We did a whole plot drift on John Safe Sumner. Was that that? Yeah, that was that one. It was that one. Yeah, it was that one. Remember, we were talking about how Sumner gets a different perspective on John, and um, I found that to be a really interesting idea. I haven't written Stargate really much in a while. Um, no, I think that would be really good. I was thinking earlier when you were mentioning NCIS and Tony and your and, and your desire to write Tony Stark, Tony Genozo, that you haven't written Tony. Like, I mean, you've done like one where he comes to Atlantis, but it's like very like we don't get to see him on Atlantis, living his life, you know, living his best life. Um, so it would be, you know, that would be interesting too. Hmm. Yeah. So if I were to take, I wonder which which idea would work for that. There are a few potential setups that could work. They'd be, well, they'd be canon divergent for both shows because I would diverge from canon at one point in NCIS and you'd have Tony's arrival into Stargate would create a divergence point there. But I had the idea where he gets, you know, killed during dead air and he mm. ascends, but he doesn't That's die. That, he, that happened in our dead air variations, right? No, we. I don't. Did we talk about that one during Dead Air? I thought that one was diff a different one where he had, he died and ascended. I thought we talked about that one later. So that's the one where I pointed out that if he died there, and ascended, there wouldn't be a body. There wouldn't be a body. Yes, that's the one. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I kind I kind of remember that. It's it's been a while though. I slept since then. But yeah, that'd be really interesting because they'd be looking for him everywhere. Yeah, he'd, and it would salt the earth. <laughs> yeah, he would, and. I was th that was the idea where the the ancients just finally kicked him out, and he blackmailed them into not taking his memories and leaving him naked on a planet somewhere. Blackmail with them with what? Well, I would I, he'd have to hide something that they that they desperately want that they desperately needed or something. I'd have to I, that's the thing I hadn't ever quite worked out is that he had something that they. Um, he could just imprison one of them or something. If you want to know where this old dude is that you guys like so much, um, I'm not going to tell you where he is unless you agree to just to leave my memories intact and just take me to the SGC because I'm having none of this. You're not, I'm having none of this abandonment naked on a planet. What if he offers them a solution to get Oma DeSala free of Anubis? Oh, that's an interesting idea. Because currently she's battling Anubis basically for the rest of her existence. Right. And what if um, Tony offers them a kind of like a very mundane solution to that problem? You know, something that they wouldn't think of. Something, you know, very... Something he got from a movie. So how do we contain Thanos? I mean, Thanos. <laughs> Thanos, Anubis. yes. Hmm. How do we contain... How do we contain... Anubis, because the problem with Anubis is that he's he's part ascended, right? Mm-hmm. The only way that they had well, to contain him, you know, 
they demonstrated the ability to ascend somebody without their permission. So why don't he just say, you know, you can't control Than um, Anubis, wow, because he is half ascended and half not ascended. Why don't you just fully ascend his ass and then drop him naked on a planet as an infant or whatever or not ever, whatever you want to do? You you demonstrated complete control over an ascended being and an unascended being, but this half and half is fucking you up. We'll make him one or the other. Make him one and then make him the other. Just fully ascend his ass. Because then you can control him. Okay. So Tony goes off. He's been learning. So he, he ascends. He goes off. He's been learning. Learning, learning, learning. And I might have it be... Well, it wouldn't really be canon divergent if I had it be happen earlier. Had an event where this happened to him earlier. Because, and the reason I said that is because that's really late in the Stargate timeline. Mm-hmm. 2010 is very late in the Stargate timeline. And, um, well, the question would be is, did we decide, do, do, do we, did you all, do you already know why he ascended? Well, I never worked out why. I'd have to think there'd be somebody who just liked him. Maybe it was Alma. It could be her. Yeah. Maybe it boils down <gasps> what to if the she... Secret Shepherd connection. What if she took him, yeah, it could be a secret separate but what if she took him partway down the path of ascension when he was a child? She was, but if his, his, um, the level of ancient genetics he has attracted, drew her to him, and he was such, maybe such a sad, lonely kid or something, and then right after his mother died, he was left alone a lot, and maybe, um, Oma Dasala took him partway down the path then so that when he died he was able or when he was nearing death he was able to finish the path even if he wasn't it was like a conscious decision so what if his whole life he's been teetering on the cusp of ascension it's my headcanon that john shepherd is yeah me too and so yeah okay so he ascends and um he really doesn't like it up there he wants to go back and he knows his route, um, his route back requires with with just even memory of himself intact, if not the knowledge he gained while he was ascended, because he probably couldn't contain that. It's canon that you that human being cannot contain all the the, the knowledge of an ancient. Um, even a deascended ancient can't contain all that knowledge, because that that's how Orlon ends up in a institution after he saves humanity. Um. But he could barter but, to keep some of his knowledge. Hmm? He could barter to keep some of his knowledge. But I think he should be able to keep, yeah, some of his knowledge and at least his own knowledge, like what he came with. You know? Because they stripped Daniel Jackson down to the bones, which was just rude. Well, actually, to the skin, which was just rude. <laughs> so he could negotiate to keep some knowledge. And what if one of the things he negotiates for is to keep the knowledge of where all the ZPMs are. Like all the ZPMs. Or maybe he insists on keeping the the truth about his parentage. That too. And he... I'd probably juggle the Stargate timeline for this one. Move it forward a little bit. So that this would line up to where, you know, if it's happening around dead air, which would be 2000, 
10 um move stargate forward like five years in time you know just round number so ish. when is dead air it's in the fall of 2010 so like october i think i, I think it's post series for may not quite be post series for sga but it's close the final episode of Stargate Atlantis was 2009. Well, December 2008 was um, when Enemy of the Gate aired. And that was the the Oma de Sala one? No, that's, um, that's, that's the last episode of Stargate Atlantis. Well, according to Wikipedia, the last episode aired on January 2009. Mm-mm. You're saying it's December 2018, 2008? Well, just, I mean, it's yeah. just, that's, that's just, that's just a matter a of month. month. But so, so in, so in 2010, theoretically, Atlantis could still be on Earth. And maybe that's where he deascends to. You're welcome, Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, naked dude in the gate room. What the hell? There was a lie, and now there's this naked dude. He's he's pretty good looking, actually. You you can take your time coming up here. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> he's like, you know, and Tony could be like so irritated. Himself. He goes, I've did all those careful negotiations, and I forgot to negotiate about the clothes. <sighs> can someone call Daniel Jackson? I don't care if he's on his honeymoon. <laughs> just, just call fucking Daniel Jackson. We've got an unascended something <laughs> in the gate room. And maybe the reason that Atlantis is still there is because they don't have his EPM. And that's the only reason keeping them there. And Tony brings back the knowledge of one. Or several that they can put in the city. Because I imagine the Wraith are probably pretty close to invading the Milky Way galaxy after two years. Yeah. Now see, it's my headcanon, and this is what I've done in several, is that there are that they don't charge the ZPMs on Atlantis because it's dangerous. Like, if anything goes wrong in that process, it takes the whole planet out, right? Yeah, it would, yeah. So, so they charge them on, on, on populated planets. So my, it's, you know, I always just work with that there are, and it's like one of the things they keep very secret is where are the those charging, where's, what planet is that charging station on? And there's got to be one in the Milky Way galaxy because they use ZPM energy all over the place. So, right. It probably isn't the same place they would make them. No, I would think they would manufacture them probably on Atlantis, but that they would have these charging stations where they charge them separately. And that it probably takes a while to charge one safely. So they charge them elsewhere. Um, and that Tony knows the location, both in Pegasus and on Earth, of where these charging stations are. I was like, we need to gather up. Say, I don't, I can't tell you how many because you know, they're assholes. But there are some there. But whatever empty ones you've got, we we need. We might as well put them on to charge. Because if they could put a <laughs> ZPM in each ship, right? I don't remember which ships were left after the end of SG One. Um, I think the Daedalus was destroyed. Um, they could have made new ones. They probably would have made new ones. Yeah. I mean, they've had two years and they probably had some in construction anyway. I'm pretty sure the Russian ship was lost and the Apollo was severely damaged. Okay. So if it's post, when was the last episode of SG1? Um, 2006. 
That sounds about right. Um, Ish. 2007. Okay. Uh, unending aired on June 22nd, 2007. So a couple years, a, a year and a half-ish before the end of SGA. So say it's 2000, like, um, how long was he up there? <laughs> well, he'd have to be up there long enough to gather some information, assess them, annoy them. I would have to think at least a year. I mean, so is dead air your, 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 are you keen on dead air being the spot? Well, it would have to be a canon event that could have killed him. Right. Realistically. Like the plague. Well, true. He could have died from that. Oh, gives it be serious no, because the SGC be no, would have immediately come in based on um, what happened. I mean, they, they, they probably would have had video footage of his fucking ascension. And Gibbs would never would have, would have never known what happened to Tony, or that he'd have been told Tony was dead, and because his body was so contagious, he couldn't see him. Or he could have ascended right in front of Gibbs because Gibbs was there at the end. And actually, which takes when he tells Gibbs out of which takes Gibbs out of NCIS. I think that's a one way ticket into the SGC, if you ask me. Yeah, that's true. And that would alleviate a lot of Gibbs's nasty, terrible, bad behavior. Considering the timeline, yeah. Considering and that would, have been, thing. that would have been two. But you know, it's not unjustified. If, if somebody killed my wife and kid, I would go full kill Bill on them. I'm, I, I would. So I don't necessarily blame him for that. I blame Mike Franks. <laughs> he preyed on Gibbs's weakness and grief to get justice he couldn't get legally. Yeah. Well, I don't. I mean, and I, I don't really, I, I blame the hypocrisy of it all is what bothers me more than the actual. Yeah. That's, that's terrible, right? I don't, I don't mind the murder. I mind the hypocrisy of how he was after he, the murder, right? Like, I, and honestly, if sanctimonious, if, I just don't think that it's one of the, if for me, it's like, once you've crossed that line, you don't get to be an enforce, you don't get to enforce the law. You don't get to arrest other people and put them in jail for your for the crimes that you're walking around, you know, when you've done it too. It just makes you a raging hypocrite. So that's my problem with it. It's sort of like, you know, I, I had that idea for that one story where Tony, um, when all of the crap about, like, Vance and stuff and his double identity and all that stuff comes together, that he... Um, he he deals with it. He makes he gets it to the inspector general, and he gets you know Vance taken out of the of his position because um, it's my head of canon in canon that Tony doesn't know about it. But what, that in this idea, he does find out about it, and um, that he feels like he can't. He agrees with the cover up. He agrees to help participate and go along with the cover up, so that um, because they can't afford for people to find out about it, right? Well, the justice would not have been served because it would have destroyed cases. Um. At least every case he presided over becoming director, every case he was physically involved with as an agent. I mean, it would have been like it, it, heinous. Yeah. So it would have been a really terrible thing if it had come to light what he that he wasn't really who he said he was. So Tony has no choice but to participate in that cover-up. And he feels like it's the right thing to do. But I had this idea that, it, it, that he felt like he needed to leave law enforcement as a result. He didn't feel like he could sit there and arrest people and help put them in jail for crimes he let Vance walk away from. That the hypocrisy of it bothered him too much. 
That is an excellent way to end up at the SGC fighting aliens. Right? Right? But, you, you know, like I said, with, when it comes to Gibbs, my, head problem, my, my problem is not the the death. My problem is that, you know, then he proceeded to go into a line of work where he put people away for the thing he had done. Not literally the thing he had done, but the same kind of crime, right? He arrested people who did revenge killings and put them in jail. It, it's just, that's just so hypocritical. Then he proceeded to let other people get away with it when they had a personal connection to him. And, you know, I think if you stop that kind of stuff from happening, that's better. Okay, so the air date of... Swack was um, May of 2005. 2005? And that would put it, yeah, and May of 2005 would put it, what, season two of SGA? I'm backing up on my timeline. I need to go all the way back up. Let's hold on. Okay, season two starts July 2005. So this is, um, the siege arrives in July. Well, you know, the siege started in January, so that's, you know, it, they didn't take a, a several months hiatus on that siege. So um, January 2005 is when um, the Brotherhood, Letters from Pegasus, the gift, and the siege started. Right. So the um, siege finished in January. So we're so they're probably on Earth for their debrief. Preparing to staff, preparing to staff for the second wave when Tony would have ascended. When he ascended. Yeah. And so if you give him a year, that would take it to. In January 2006, we have the long goodbye, um, which is where they get hosted by the aliens and Shepard and Weir kiss, and it's disgusting. And then, of course, we also have the Michael experiment um, um, and the volcano planet. And my episode um, summary of this is the volcano planet with the ship inside it. This is the episode where Shepard wins a Nobel in clock blocking. <laughs> and then we have allies where Michael returns with a hive. And Weir tries to negotiate with them again. And then season three starts with a race hive making it to Earth. And um, they also end up using that retrovirus on a whole hive of wraith. Because that was a good idea to try again. Um, but if you set him down on Atlantis shortly after the long goodbye, um, which is, it's, the gate bridge is half constructed. Okay. Because this is this is also where I set the bridge for the it's the that little prequel story to um, uh, finding Atlantis because the bridge was half complete complete enough to navigate with a jumper. I just copied and pasted. If it takes it, stop being a bitch. Oh, not you. Oh. I can't. It's genetic. <laughs> Okay, so those are the episodes. And so in my in my terrible um commentary on each one. Yeah, preventing Michael could be really sad. So if he puts him down the Milky Way, so okay, so if part of the information he's preserving is his origins, he knows that he's if is this, presumably he's related to John. Right? Mm -hmm. 
He'd be Alexander Shepard in reality. Yeah, I mean, you could make him Alex Shepard in this. There's nothing in canon that would contradict it. Except he could never come out as Alex Shepard. That actually could be a way to keep him on Atlantis. He's ascended. He can't go back and be Tony Denosa because he died. Or he's missing from the hospital or something. He can't be Alex Shepard because they can't afford the press storm about Alex being alive, right? Because then it would come out who he was. And then he disappeared from Walter Reed Hospital. Well, if oh, if Gibbs is the only one that sees him ascend. Gibbs has been in NCIS for quite a while at this time. Maybe he's already been read into the Stargate program. And maybe he's not ever seen somebody ascend. But he's heard some shit about it. And when he sees Tony go all glowy, he calls Jack O'Neill. And they fake transferring Tony Dinozo out of that hospital to an undisclosed country. I mean, an undisclosed location, blah, blah, blah. So he's never actually declared dead. And Gibbs goes with him. Well, goes with the illusion. And Gibbs disappears into, um, into the SGC. Which totally negates that whole Ziva thing. Kate probably lives. Yeah, because some other team would be be handling the investigation into Ari. Mm -hmm. It could be that he takes Kate with him too. Because Kate was in there pretending to be sick so she could stay with him. Maybe Kate witnesses it too. And they both get absorbed into the SGC. It saves Kate. It opens up her mind. Gives her a broader view. I think she could be an interesting character if you did that. Yeah. Open up her eyes to the wider universe. Maybe she and Gibbs are the official NCIS agents in, S um, in the SGC. It would be fun to see, an, to, um, to see a story where Kate is not dead and Kate's not also not an asshole. True. True. That would be very different. And watching Tony Dinozo ascend would fuck her up. <laughs> It would destroy her worldview. Yes, it would. I think it would sh especially take shake her out of some of her Catholic stoicism, right? Her, her that that perspective that she's got that is basically entrenched in religion. And maybe Tony has come back to visit them, a la Daniel Jackson, like he did with Ball. And he's like, "Hey, Katie." She's like, "Oh God." He's like, not really. <laughs> And the ancients, the, the, the ascended could be like, you've got to stop visiting them. He's like, oh, kiss my ass. I'm not telling them anything. I'm not interfering. Don't get jealous because you don't have human friends. <laughs> I think you're just jealous. You, you want to date my friend, you're going to have to be a better person. Because right now, you're not a great person. I don't want to date your human friend. Sure you don't. Sure you don't, Terrence. You can be giving them names. Just stupid <laughs> names. Oh, actually, that'd be hysterical if he does name all the ancients. And they'd be like, fuck you, Eve. Your period's due in two days. Do you feel it coming? <laughs> yes. Yes, I do, you bitch. <laughs> does she have to say it that way? Do you, have to, do you feel it coming? <sighs> um... Yeah, that could be really interesting. Um, I'm appalled that you think ascended beings still have periods. What's the point of ascending? That's bullshit. <laughs> this is worse than so-called menopause. 
where I still have not paused. I'm not going to recover from this. Yeah, so if Tony's not dead, he would probably get cycled back to Earth if he's Patrick's son. Because Patrick's going to lose his shit. If he knows. Well, but if if Tony knows and he tells John, keeping that information from Patrick is mean. It is. It is. But also on the other side of it is that, you know, Tony is a grown-ass adult. And if he has things to do on Atlantis, things that he said he would do, maybe that's what happens. Maybe it's not so much blackmail in that the, the angels that are ascended, maybe they have some attachment to Atlantis and they don't want to see Atlantis destroyed. They don't want to see Atlantis occupied by the wraith or the Janai. And um, that part of his job in returning is preserving their legacy, protecting their legacy. Yeah, and maybe he's just unsuccessful about bartering to go back to Milky Way, but he's able to barter to go back to to go to go to Pegasus Galaxy. On the and you know on the that he will do everything he can to protect Atlantis. So if Patrick Shepard wants to meet his, you know, he's got to come out here. He's he's going to have to haul ass to Pegasus. And it would be like, okay, O'Neill, are you going to let me borrow your ship? Or would you rather I build one? And if I have to build one, motherfucker, <laughs> you're gonna regret. <laughs> things the fuck are not out of going it. to be pleasant for you for the next three or four years. It takes me to build this thing. It could take you. No, it won't take me longer than three, four, three, three years maximum to build. I assure you. <laughs> three of the longest, but most painful years of your life. Well, we don't have. We can get you a mothership. That will do. Now, this is one where the insertion point is difficult. Yeah, it is, because you don't know. Um, I mean, is like the, the the moment of candidate divergence would actually be when Tony ascends during the plague, if you pick that moment. Which I think it's a very interesting moment to take. It is, it is interesting, um, and also because it lines up well with the Stargate timeline overall. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not perfect. But on the other hand, you can maneuver the Stargate timeline a few months in any direction, because... Their timeline is very weird. You can't right. say you can't say the air date is when things happen, but I would say within two or three months, either way, is when it happened. Because mm -hmm. um, there's a long gap between the siege part, no, the yeah, the siege part one and part two, right? More than the typical three to four month break, I think. Wasn't it like five or six months? Yeah, it was long. So. Um... So you can maneuver the timeline a little bit. So I could. It doesn't have to be like super set in stone exactly where um, I could I mean, pick the moment. As you say, if you, if, when you put him down and you situate him, you can situate him to the point where, you know, that he hears in passing that Carson Beckett is trying to get a wraith so they can experiment on them. And he's calling it the Michael experiment or, or something like that. You can, you can situate the, the timeline for your reader and that's all you need to do. They'll know, okay, it's after the siege, but before Michael, gotcha. I'm go. Let's go. Because <laughs> your Stargate fans are going to know exactly where you are. And your NCIS fans aren't going to give a shit. Right. Right. They're going to understand that Tony died during the plague. So if you start with the moment that Tony ascends, that would probably be a... Well, that seemed to be very short. If it, Well, Tony could watch what happens afterwards. I'll say, how do you tell the story? But if, if it's... I wouldn't want to do a bunch in Gibbs' point of view. I wouldn't want to tell any of it in Gibbs' point of view, really, because he's not central to the story. But I could tell if Tony, if I'm in Tony's 
point of view when he's dying when he's dying and he he starts thinking about oma and about the things she had taught him when he was a kid and that it you know that that living through this was just so difficult or whatever and to go through that whole process of him ascending and then he can well, when, see when daniel jackson ascends when he ascends um he his body disintegrates as he ascends and Jack pretty much walks him all the way to the gate and gives him, like, he gives him that nod, like, yeah, you can go. So, Tony didn't, so Daniel didn't leave immediately. So, you can have Tony linger, maybe watch him scramble for the phone to call the SGC, have him connect with O'Neill. Question Is this before or after Daniel Jackson ascended in SG1 canon? It was after. After, yeah, it has to be after. It has to be after. You'd be like, yeah, could you tell me about that ascension thing again? Well, what if it's not so much that Gibbs has had a contact with he knows about the SGC already, but what if there's a standard protocol that if anything, that they don't even understand what it is, that if anything utterly bizarre that is completely inexplicable that they do not understand ever happens, that instead of calling it in, they're to call this number. And it, Maybe and it's information from, that Kate has as well because she was former Secret Service, right? And so they have that moment of like looking at each other and thinking, "We get Tony's just he's there, but he's not there." And they they call the number and they go, "My agent just turned into like a glowy octopus right in front of me, and he's just I don't know what to do." Like you stay right there. We'll be there in a minute. <laughs> We're on our way. <laughs> and if he says, "Don't let anybody you? in." And they're like, well, we're in the we're in the infectious disease ward of you know, and they would actually Walter Reed. It's you see ascended beings using the gate for travel, so I think they would have to take Tony to the gate. They all use the gate. Why aren't they just? Well, I don't understand why they need the gate. But when Daniel Jackson leaves the first time Earth, he uses the gate. Why does he use the gate? He he probably returned to almost planet. Maybe when you're first ascended, you don't know what to do or where to go. Oh, you're confused. And maybe they will have to take him to the SGC so he can go to Oma's planet. That'd be a hard scene for Gibbs. Was he like, what, you, you, you can't put him back in a body? I'm like, no, that's, that, that's not how that works, Gibbs. You're going to have to let him go. That'd be so hard. Because at that point in canon, Gibbs and Tony had a really good relationship. Yeah, they were really close. And he was ordering him not to die. He didn't die. Like, this is not how I wanted you to follow these instructions, Tony. Order. I don't even know where to head slap you right now. I mean, it would depend on whether or not you wanted to do a romantic relationship with them or not. How Tony feels about leaving Gibbs at that moment. I know you can ship it, so. And that's early oh. enough in canon that it wouldn't be too problematic. No, I don't think I would. I mean, if I, the thing is, if I'm going to set Tony down in this on, the, on Atlantis, he's going to be banging Ronan. Right. Well, I'm not, I'm not mad at this idea at all. Um, I have a vague idea in my head that I'm not quite certain how to noodle out the intricacies of it. And it may just not be possible. Okay. But there could be something to the idea of, in terms of him coming back, 
is what if this issue with the half ascended thing is that because there's not I'm, I'm i'm having a hard time following the logic through to making this make sense because you know sometimes you get an idea and you kind of like how do i well, make this make sense it's, it's my head canon that they could not interfere with anubis because he was in fact only half ascended which means that he had um a root on this plane and they're not allowed by their own bylaws to interfere with beings on this plane. But. That didn't stop her from ascending the entire fucking village on Abydos. Right. So it's not that. I mean, I, I was fine with what we worked out. I just was thinking about this uh, mm -hmm. other idea. So something different than that. If, if, if and it would be like, what if Tony, what, what they did is had Tony switch places with Anubis in terms of being the half ascended, which means they're trusting him with that level of power. So that he goes back half ascended. Why would they make him switch? Why would he want? Well, that's the log. That's the logic point, right? It's why would it need to be a switch? Why couldn't they just ascend Anubis and fuck him up? Right. Yeah, I can't quite work out the logic of it. It didn't make sense that they couldn't complete his ascension because once they completed his ascension, they would have complete control over him. And that's the part that I think is the part that you're saying Tony could point out something. Completely, logical. Um, completely simple and logical to them that they just haven't thought of because it's just not the way they work. Yeah, it's just a like a dumb idea for the Asgard. Well, it was your stupid idea, right? Um. So we need to give them a reason why they have not. Well, what if they, what if they're tired, whether they were tired of Oma's, well, it could be the reason why they hadn't handled Anubis is just that he was, they were tired of her, not, the, her, the way she was forcing ascension and stuff was against their rules. And that she's, she's bearing the cost because she kept breaking the rules. And so they're, they're determined not to interfere. But what if Tony thinks, what if Tony tricks Anubis into finishing the ascension? Is anybody who could trick anybody into Assuming I mean, the question, why? Why would he trick him? He wants to free Elma. That, that makes sense. Um, it makes sense that they might make her that that they could be punishing her by not helping her defeat Anubis. Um, but the question becomes: Is why didn't Elma just fully ascend Anubis? Is it because of his half ascended state that he can't be forced? <sighs> That, that could be it, that you can't force someone who's in that in-between state to ascend. And how did he get halfway there? He, when he started his ascension, was he... Was he... He was part... He, he had the snake, right? I don't know. I would assume that's, so. I assume he's a snake. I assume he's still snaked. Yeah, that's that could be part of the issue. Maybe his body is trying to ascend, but the snake is not. That's why he's stuck. <gasps> the snake which would mean, ascend. which would mean the all they need is Thor ascend. Which maybe they need all they need is Thor's hammer to solve this problem, and they've just never thought of that to get the snake out of him. Yeah, but Tony's an investigator, and he's like, "Well, the obvious thing, and the only obvious reason why you guys can't force his ascension is because of the snake. So just get rid of the snake." That makes a lot of sense. 
And I would think that, you know, having pointed that out, that he probably has earned a favor or two. But here's the thing. The SG-1 made canon. An ancient or an ascended person doesn't need anybody else to deascend. They can deascend on their own and determine how much information they take with them. And the other ancients can't do a damn thing about it. Because Orlin did it. So Tony could just be kind of playing along, learning everything he can learn, deciding exactly which information he's going to take back with him. Because there's no fucking way. He told Gibbs he wasn't going to die. Right. So he's learning. But then that, that, that puts him on Earth. It doesn't put him on Atlantis. Well, it would put him on Atlantis if, if he found out that John Shepard was his brother. It isn't like he can't call Gibbs and say, hey, I'm not here. You want to come play Pegasus? <laughs> well, actually, what if um, what if Janice comes to him and say, look, I figured out what you're doing. I figured out exactly what you're doing. I'm not stupid. I don't blame you. But I thought I'm about not- it. But I'm not an idiot. I know what you're doing. I figured it out. I'm sure some others have figured out what you're about to do. You're about to descend. But I need a favor. I need you to go to the Pegasus Galaxy. That's where we need you to go. You're curious because your brother's there anyway. But this whole thing is going very badly out there. I never felt good about how we left the city. I never felt good about how we left the Wraith. It was our. It was not our our shining moment. So I need you to... to, to, to if you're going to do this, would you please... Would you please go there? And I will do my best. And because you freed Oma from this eternal battle with Anubis, with your pointing out of the obvious, you know, we're going to do our best to protect you and make sure that you're not interfered with if you make this decision. Maybe Janice is in love with it, with Oma. I mean, they're both two sides of the craziest coin that could possibly be creative, right? Right. She's just willy-nilly. I mean, she's like full force. In rebellion, just willy-nilly ascending people. And <laughs> maybe she's like his other half, you know, and he's been trying to find a way to save her this whole time since she started fighting Anubis. And this this kid that she taught to ascend when he was little ascended as an adult and saved her. And he's like, okay, I got your back, but I need you to do this. It would create an interesting bond between him and Janice. Yeah, could be because like I got you. I got if you. If you don't want to make some lovers, you could make him. Um, you could make her his sister. Yeah, I'm not averse to making them lovers. So this could be good. A little bit of Atlantis, a little bit of Tony, a little bit of Monica. <laughs> <laughs> as long as there's no Erica. Um. So that could be, so in that particular case, okay, so do you think having Tony be a shepherd is pushing the canon divergence thing too far? I mean, there's nothing to say he's not, right? It's not right. A contra- it's absolutely not, nothing it's in not canon a, to say that he's not. It's not a contradiction of canon, because he's still a Paddington. No, he's not. He wouldn't be Paddington. He'd have been an abducted baby. This is the abducted baby, not the, not the secret baby. Um... Though Secret Baby might be less traumatic for everybody involved if you don't want to ride that um, particular trauma again. If it would lighten the load as in, you know, in, you know, in November. 
It would make it a lighter story as if he Because um, then it'd be like he could be like he could be you know, John could call you know, come home and call dad and say, Hey, hey dad, um You know that fling you had six months after mom died? He well, was like, That's none of your business. Well the thing is is I met my brother. How do you think he I know about that? Eyes. How do you think I know about that fling, Dad? <laughs> well he wouldn't have mom's eyes if he had if it was secret baby. He has mom, you know, not well, you know, he wouldn't because he's not, um, he's not kidnapped. He has your smirk. He could have grandma's and eyes. Kinda, and he kind of walks like Matt and he's kind of arrogant like David and he's a trouble magnet like me. And um, his name is Tony. This would be a son. So this would be a case of where Tony's the youngest and Emma died probably right after Matt was born. Um, in I actually had one story where she died um, birthing him, that she was in a car accident, um, and um, she died giving birth to Matt. Of course, originally in the original Lantean Legacy plot, he died, um, Matt died with her, but then um, that was my people got really attached to Matt, and I couldn't. How dare you! I know. How dare you! <laughs> <laughs> so I rewrote it so he was alive. As you, I think you're practically obligated to do that. But I think that if he wrote it that way, if she died in a traumatic circumstance like that, you know, and, um, you know, he's six months out of it, he's got a baby at home, he's got two kids, um, he's got two sons who are grieving their mom, and he doesn't really have, you know, any kind of adult support um, that a, Maybe even just a weekend affair would, would be, it'd be perfectly reasonable that he would seek comfort that way. Um, oh, definitely. I mean, I, I don't see him getting into a significant, if he really loved his wife, I don't see a significant relationship six months after he died, she died. No, but. and he might even feel very guilty after it, you know, afterwards. Um, but, and maybe that's why he never contacted her because he felt so guilty. Maybe even felt like he cheated on his wife when he didn't, obviously. Um, and that's why he never knew about Tony. Yeah. So even though it's got a lot of complications, I think, I think that this one is uh, a really good contender. They're all it's good fun. contenders. But I find this it's one really fun appealing. though. It's, yeah, it's, it's it fun. is. It is you fun. Know, it doesn't, it doesn't have the weight, that emotional Trump traumatic weight of, of Teen Wolf. No, I mean it could be kind of fun. You could be, and, and be like everybody be like, "That's my dad's secret affair, baby." <laughs> and if Tony set down Atlantis, I could do that thing again where Atlantis recognizes Tony's DNA before John and Tony had a chat. chat. And so Tony knows, and he's planning to try to bring bro broach it with John. But in the meantime, Atlantis has changed Tony, John's next of kin. John's next of kin to to Tony. Maybe even John gets a notification in his email that his next of kin has been updated from like the city system. The infirmary records update. You get a notification in your email. And John's like, what the hell is this shit? He's like, excuse me, Mr. Deno Agent Denoso. I gotta say, we're still technically, if they're, if they're covering for the fact that Tony ascended, then he would still be. Then he's get probably agent of float. Yeah, he's still or, on the books as an agent. Yeah. Still banking money too. Yeah, because they can't say he's dead. It would it would have all been covered up. Yeah, unless they had him, you know, unless they forged him retiring from the NCIS. But 
I don't know. I'd have to work that I out. I would whether... say that they probably transferred to make it. It would be like I would say that they maybe Secnav interfered and transferred Gibbs's entire team to the SGC um, to cover it up. Shepard would be furious. Just as she becomes the head of the agency, the Secnav takes Gibbs out of her clutches permanently, and she can't get any information on it. Yeah, she's so like, what do you mean he's reass- If the whole team is assigned to this post, I have the right to recall them. No, you don't, actually. You are not to call them. You are not to talk to them. And no, you cannot assign your Mossad liaison to be on that team. Are you nuts? She would try. I could definitely. Yeah, but I think that would be great. Every once in a while, Gibbs would be like, she called again. He would get a phone call. From- she should. Somebody, it was like a background thing, just just in your head. This the secnav had to call her and cuss her out again. She's trying to get up into secret, private, super classified shit. It makes her little operation with um, the frog seem a little bit ridiculous. But that also puts McGee in the SGC, which is not bad because he could use a he could use a wake up call too. Abby would go bug nuts, but whatever. She can just go bug nuts. She would actually probably end up getting arrested. Realistically. Because she wouldn't take classified as a um, anything less than a challenge. When it yeah, came to I, Gibbs. Yeah. And it could be Gibbs has like, it feels a lot of guilt at first. That's all, all of them go and she doesn't. And then he sees how unhinged she is. And he at first maybe tries to take on some guilt. And Jack could be like, uh-uh. No, but uh-uh. you can't take on a bunch of guilt for this. Look at how unhinged she is. She was never. Gibbs could say something to Jack at some point. Like, we should. I should have just had her in the SGC. And Jack could have been like, we don't have people that unhinged working for the SGC. It doesn't she work never that way. The, sac- the, the psych valve with, um, with her abandonment issues. Look at what she did just when you guys transferred to a different state. She would probably, she, she would ruin any chance she had of joining them within a week. Yeah, because she wouldn't be able to let it go. So, this one feels, this idea feels good. So, what would I call it? Title, title, the terrible title. Title, 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 title. Um, let me think. I read Blackbird. Uh, I saw that you at least started it. How did you oh. feel? Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> It's intense, right? It was great. It was great. It was it was stunning. It was a, it was a beautiful piece of work. I very enamored. And you get to the end and you go, yeah. You get to the end and you kind of go, wow, that was amazing. And I really don't know right? how to feel about it's myself. Like, <laughs> damn it! I just thought there's something about when he put that safe word in the newspaper. I just it was such a moment. I just was like, wow. I know. It was great. It was, it was really well done. So I was looking, I was thinking to myself, you know, what is what is the basis of um, um, ascension? Uh, what is, and it's, in, it's enlightenment, right? Mm-hmm. So I was looking at enlightenment quotes. It says, enlightenment, enlightenment must come little by little, otherwise it would overwhelm. Was the first thing I hit. It reminded me of that song, um, Little Wonders. 
Oh, okay. Because little by little is what I would take out of that as a title, but little wonders. Yeah, I mean it's a great title. It's a it's um, it, it's a great moment, but it, but it it reminded me of that song "Little Wonders" by um. But then I kind of meandered into that song where that where they have that lyric that says "These small hours." Is that part of "Little Wonders"? These small hours. Anyways, I I had a complete like full circle there for a second in my head. Yeah, it is. It's these thoughts. These these small hours still remain. Little wonders. Yeah. Like well, this song starts, let it go. Um, I definitely couldn't start that. <laughs> you you never knew the end of it. Well, one of the lyrics is the hardest part is over. Um, which is gorgeous. It's a gorgeous yeah. song. It's 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 um, it's a really beautiful song. I like the idea of small hours. That's really nice. These small hours still remain. I like these small hours. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that really works. And there's actually a lot in that song that fits. Let your troubles fall behind you until it f until you feel it all around you. Um, I don't mind if it's me you, me, me you need to turn to. We'll get by. It's the heart that really matters in the end. Our lives are made in these small hours, these little wonders, these twists and turns of fate. Time falls away, but these small hours, these small hours still remain. See, it's just, it's it's everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, this really works really well as an inspiration song. And Rob the thing Thomas. is, one of the things I like about finding an inspiration song is sometimes when I lack, like, a little bit of focus in an area, I can look to the inspiration song and kind of go, kind of try to make it mesh better, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Sometimes a song helps. I mean, music can be very um, inspiring. There's even a video. There's an NCIS video with this song? Yeah. Huh. I haven't watched it. I'm watching it now. It's no joke who this woman's shipping. What's that? I said there's no telling... There's, there's no... Um, Denying who she's shipping in this video, <laughs> but they framed them a lot together when they were when the first show started, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, a lot. If there is not a scene where he leans down in this video and tells him not to die, I don't even know why she bothered making this video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Michael Weathers is a pretty man. He's doing what? He's such a pretty man. Yeah. It's a great video. She's done some really nice transitions. <laughs> well, her shipping kind of makes me want to write that pairing. <laughs> She's doing a really nice job. I mean, it's gorgeous, honestly. And, you know, and wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be a moment? And I'm not advocating the ship, okay? Don't yeah. get me wrong. But that Gibbs, who's lost so much, and to lose Tony, too. And then to have him come back. And that he get a second chance. At the chance that he let get away. That maybe he was fighting his feelings for Tony the whole time. And then Tony and Tony had the audacity to ascend on him. But then Tony comes back. And he has that chance that he'll never have with Shannon. I like how they put Kate in it too. Yeah. It's just a great video. Ugh. What a scene to end it on. 
<laughs> they're both having that moment where they're looking right at each other. That's ridiculous. Good job, Judith. <laughs> but you can have an equally powerful moment where um, you know, meeting Ronan and Pegasus, you know, but there's a lot of emotion there with Gibbs. It would, it would be hard to ignore. Yeah, the setup really does. I mean, I have to say the setup lends itself to this particular ship because... You can give a, you can give a nod to the shippers. Yeah, I could. But, uh, and like I said, if you get Gibbs out of NCIS at that point, it does take away a lot of the problematic shit. I mean, yes, he's still kind of a hypocrite, but really, <laughs> most of well, us are at one moment or another. But you know, and it does take him out of that whole law enforcement thing, or maybe in the SGC, his his. Well, the SGCs, honestly, there I find them to be more morally flexible for reasons that are understandable, right? Like right. the way that they drop people in deep dark holes. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And never to see, never to see trial because they're protecting the big secret. Well, I can say, I honestly, I can see Gibbs thriving in that environment, as terrible as that is. Well, yeah, because <laughs> his his job there would be to protect the secret, right? And it, it, even though he's mm -hmm. pro he's probably looking for stuff, you know, obviously dealing with crime that happens on base too. I would think a lot of their role would be force protection, so they'd be looking at, you know, at what threats are and. Um, NID, the trust, security. Yeah, well, it'd be a different game for him. Yeah, he so and it would take a lot of hip hypocrisy out of his character. So yeah, I, it's one of those things where I probably, but I could really see, especially if he's really, if he he was there when Tony ascended. He's, and I would think for somebody like Gibbs, who probably was closed off emotionally, thinking that, you know, if you don't get close to people, it's not going to hurt as much if you lose them, to find that it hurts just as much, even if you didn't let them get close, right? If or maybe care, even a little bit more. Yeah, because you you didn't have it, right? You you thought that you were protecting yourself, but it, it all you then had was just regret. Um, and then Tony comes back, and yeah. It could be really powerful to have Tony walk through that gate. It goes back to that, that line in, um, there's, uh, there's that line in um, Still Magnolia's where she said she'd have, she'd rather have, um, like, I forget how much time she said, maybe an hour of something wonderful than a whole lifetime of nothing special. Yeah. Which I totally understood, you know. And funny things, you have people on, what, that's one of the things I loved about Steel Magnolia's is they were on such different sides of that whole thing. And yet you completely understood both people's side. Yeah. You know, it really did illustrate yeah. that sometimes there's no right or wrong. There's just, just it, it is what it is. Yeah, you do the best that you can, and you support the people you love, and that's that. You know, but I think it would be just it would be an utterly gorgeous moment. And it could be if I want to address this. Actually, slots really well because if Tony's plan all along, if he's being the kind of, you know, if he's being kind of cunning about the whole thing, and his plan all along is he's going back, um, he might not do any visits. He might not do any at all because he doesn't want to draw their attention. Yeah, you're right. He might be you're behaving. Right. He might be behaving a lot so that he can leave on his own terms because he knows what happened to Daniel. Which, if Janice knows Oma, then Oma and Janice have probably been keeping an eye on Tony Denozo. Mm -hmm. So Janice would know. <laughs> This this sweet baby ascended angel that they got is not the real Tony Denoso. 
<laughs> he's sitting there watching him like, you little shit. <laughs> You're up to something. Because <laughs> he would know. Right. And also it solves my POV problem. Because if Gibbs is romantic partner potential, then it, it makes more sense for him to have a POV. Right. Than if he's just, I mean, know. and he's, you know, he's softer in canon at that point. He hasn't had his great white whale hunt. Um, he hasn't let Mike off for murder. He hasn't let his, his mother-in-law off for murder. He hasn't, you know, Kate hasn't died, you know, practically in his arms. Not exactly. She actually died all over Tony's face, but that was a horrible moment in canon, yeah. right? Uh -huh. But so Kate's safe. Kate's in the SGC. Abby's gone off the rails. McGee is in geek heaven. He's probably at Area 51. He probably went, he probably he probably spent a week in the mountain and asked if he could be transferred to Area 51. <laughs> yeah. And they could be, you know, it's like as long as you're doing some investigations, go geek out to your heart's content. And he could actually have Rodney kicking his ass. No, well, not Rodney wouldn't be there. No, Rodney would be in, in Pegasus, but um <gasps> McGee could get Kavanaugh kicked out of the program. <laughs> <laughs> maybe mcgee kind of has a mckay a, a crush on mckay's geek brain because he keeps reading all these reports and like he has like his personal vendetta against kavanaugh because kavanaugh bitches about mckay all the time <laughs> so he that starts investigating him <laughs> yeah what if what if mcgee gets really invested in the sga reports because maybe what he really wants to do is go to atlantis and so he gets really I, invested I don't know why he wouldn't want to go yeah right. absolutely so he gets really invested in the sga reports and he starts and because it's part of their duties ncis agent he starts raising all these red flags about kavanaugh and he's like now wait a minute now wait a minute okay so when did so we decided tony ascended in may of 2005 and that was where in the stargate timeline that would have been, um, they would have been, they would have been on Earth debriefing. They would have been on Earth right. debriefing. So John has met Gibbs. And what if Gibbs has some influence in, because um, Gibbs would have some opinions about the SGS, Atlantis's reports, right? If he's been there a while, yeah. I mean, I'm sure he would probably be briefed on all that. If O'Neill has folded Gibbs into the, um, into the program, and he should to keep him close, um, He's availing himself of all of Gibbs' abilities. And what if one of the things that Gibbs does is dig really... Jack's, Jack tells Gibbs early on that he's about to go to go to Washington and his replacement, Gibbs, digs into the background report for Landry and manages to get keep Landry out. So who takes Landry's place? An OC of your choice? or? Well, I did have one story that I started that I never finished where um, Michael Wepler was, in, was um, a general in the Marines, and he took mm. the post and said Landry. Yes. Yes. I'm 100% all over this. I'm in it. I'm in it. You know what? You know what would make me really happy? If one day you wrote a ties that bind um, about Mike Wepler. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, you need to spank somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not picky who. Just somebody. Anyways, um, but yeah, I'm I'm hundred and ten percent on board with that. Uh well actually I could even do it that I mean I could I could go either way. I could have that that Mike um actually winds up being a good candidate to go to DC and be the head of Homeworld, or he could be the he could be takeover in the mountain. Either it could go either way. 
Well, the thing is, is my, it's 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 my belief that the only reason they did that is because RDA wanted time off the show. Well, you don't have to give an actor time off your show. That's true. So you true. can leave on the old in the seat, and Wepler could become the new director of um, Homeworld Security. Yeah. Because maybe. Maybe O'Neill is considering it, and when when Gibbs finds out just how fucked up Landry is, he said he he sets O'Neill down and says, "You know what? I don't think we're in a position right now where we can trust anybody but you with the gate. We've got people in Pegasus who are depending on us for timely supplies. We can't afford somebody who doesn't have experience with the program sitting in your seat. And maybe that's just the excuse O'Neill needs to stay." Because it could be that he was trying to get himself some separation from both Carter and Jackson because he couldn't choose between them. Of course, then, you know, Gibbs being who Gibbs is, because, you know, why do you have to choose? (laughs) (laughs) Stop making making shit complicated, (laughs) O'Neill. And just walk out. (laughs) Because Gibbs is an asshole. He totally is. It's like, look, you don't have to pack your shit off to Washington to avoid getting laid. That's ridiculous. Because <laughs> that's honestly what it looks like. Because of the actor's decisions, it looks like the character packed his shit off to Washington to avoid getting laid. Okay. Yeah, to avoid getting laid. It's just like, come on. <laughs> That doesn't make any fucking sense. But yeah, I mean, so you don't have to give RDA a, a vacation or a cushy role or no role on your show. You can make him do the job. You're working for this, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I like that. And the thing is, with that, it, oh man, this, it just it kind of kills it, And part of me, it's like it kills me that this works so well, right? Because it also, it allows you to explore how the, the divergence from you know, Tony's focus is going to be more on Atlantis and stuff at first, because even while he's ascended, right, he's focused a little more on Atlantis. But then you've got Gibbs' point of view to keep track of how the divergence is, is working on the SGC. the SGC. You can look at some of the events in the SGC canon that, that Gibbs could, could interfere with, including allowing Vala to leave the mountain. It is one thing for her ass to be connected to Daniel Jackson. It is another to let her gallivant around the planet. Yeah, true. If they don't go to Britain together, the Ori don't. I mean, wh- where are we on that? Has the Ori thing happened yet? I think the Ori thing happens. It happens. It has to have happened. Yeah. Because Prometheus yeah. Unbound was season yeah. one of Atlantis. He's at least met Vala. I don't know if she's... I don't know when that bracelet thing happens and when they meet the Ori for the first time. But it's curious that no one said, you know what, Daniel, you're going to have to wait until um, you don't have your alien sidekick. We don't even know her. She stole our ship. Tilk never stole our ship. Tilk was great. Tilk is great. Tilk helps us. Vala stole our shit. <laughs> and it was it was it was them going off world together that got the Ori's attention that time she burned to death, right? That's what triggered the whole Ori. Right, thing. because they were they found a communication device, that little slab communication device that they use to horrific effect in Destiny or SGU where you could trade bodies. 
So they used that communication device thinking they were going to commun communicating with somebody, but they ended up in the bodies of those two people on that planet and Vala got burned for being a witch. Okay, that's Avalon part one and part two, and that is July of 2005. So um, Gibbs would have been in place for a couple of months. And he might say no to her. I mean, just, just for security-wise, well, you're going to have to wait for this. this. You can't do this right now. You can't take her off-world. It's crazy cakes. Well, they weren't off-world. They were in England. They found Merlin's cave. But when she burned, they'd gone off-world. No, not physically. Oh, were they in somebody else? Whose head were they in? Whose bodies were they, they in? Were, they were in the bodies of somebody who was in the rebellion against the, um, the Ori on that planet. Because they were using the device, too, maybe to get information or to seek help. And they ended up in the bodies of other people. So really what Vala did, because of her not knowing the circumstances, is she got that woman killed. Because she was in somebody else's body. You know, the thing is, those two episodes, Avalon Part 1 and Part 2, are the episodes that got me to stop watching Stargate Atlantis. I mean, Stargate Stargate SG-1, which I had seen, you know, I'd been watching. And then those episodes aired, and I was like, fuck this. Um, the whole religious fervor of the Ori, I was seeing where that plot line was going, and Jack being gone, I was like, no. I'm done. Um, I'm I watched done. it, but I didn't enjoy it. But no, Daniel Jackson and Vala are actually in, a, in, a, in Merlin's repository of information on earth in england i used that same cave in the search during this um sentence of atlantis david goes there that's the cave that he found in the search it's merlin's cave okay so i have to so i just need i'll, I'll need to at least rewatch re that episode that's not that big a deal it's just a couple of episodes i would need to refresh myself yeah on. and i would you know you could um, you can avoid the whole burning thing because you know what happens but what ha but there, but we see claudia black but it's actually the other woman we were just seeing her because claudia is in her well vala is in her body um but she's not actually physically there she's in the aura galaxy that device let them connect like and they do that in sgu where um, people on Earth use that device to to connect to people on the ship and use their bodies, which is how McKay ended up on that ship. Briefly, he was he was using somebody else's body to work, which is it. The body autonomy issues in that is just is overwhelming. Because yeah, at one point there was a there was actually a plot line in SGU where somebody from Earth using the body of somebody on that ship was going to have sex with somebody, and fans lost their mind. <sighs> Because it got leaked, and they were like, what? No, that's rape. What? No. You can't use somebody else's body like that. This is not Buffy. Don't get me started on those issues. I, that, that, that's why I couldn't watch Dollhouse. The body autonomy issues were just outrageous. Hold on a second. But Gibbs could put a stop to that and say that, you know, that, you know until you can get that bracelet off, Dr. Jackson, you're, you're stuck in this mountain. Because she is a security risk. I don't remember how they the, how they get the bracelets off. She had to want them off. She right? goes through the she goes through the super gate. That took them off somehow. It. They were arguing over how to prevent the super gate from activating, and she was trying to tell them, but they kept arguing. So she leaves, which I think is the Daedalus, using um, one of those Jaffa crafts 
And before the final piece of the super gate can, can, can fall into place, she sticks that ship between those two spots where that final piece is going to go. And when the super gate activates, she's thrown through the wormhole. The super gate is destroyed and the bracelet on Daniel Jackson's wrist falls off. And they don't know until much later that she survived it. And she again uses that device and ends up connecting and ends up in the body of Cameron Mitchell. No, no, she ends up in the body of Daniel Jackson because he walks into the um, he walks into the uh, locker room. Well, she does wearing his body and looks Cameron Mitchell over while he's naked like he's a piece of meat. <laughs> Which episode was that? <laughs> she looks him over like <laughs> and it's different. it's Michael Shakes, right? <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. Cause she's really inappropriate anyway. Yeah. And 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 you find out that she's living on an Ori planet and she's telling them what they're doing. They're building ships, they're gonna invade the Milky Way. And meanwhile, she's carrying the Orsai. When she found out she was pregnant, she quickly got herself married to a local villager so she wouldn't get burned again. But they all knew. She was carrying the Orisai. It's like virgin birth ship, but she's not actually a virgin. So, yeah. So, if you keep Vala from going anywhere near that cave, you prevent the whole Ori storyline, and she doesn't end up carrying the Ori's creepy demon baby. Which is for her own good. In fact, truth be known, if not being able to get the bracelets off might be a good time for him to go visit, um, Atlantis and take his space pirate with her with him since he can't leave the mountain he can do some so research I, on Atlantis so I'd have to definitely watch a few of the uh, they're uh, currently on Voodoo I believe or they might be on Amazon Prime oh I own them oh okay I own, I, I own all of the I own all of both series I got them really cheap I do too. too. I have I have them on DVD, but I prefer to stream if I can because I'm lazy. Yeah, true. That yeah, definitely. Um, especially if it's a service I can stream, you know, um, that like like if it's uh like the stuff on Voodoo. Well, I guess I could stream Voodoo on my laptop, but it was really convenient when I was doing research on SGA at one point, and just to be able to flip back to another tab where I had the episode paused. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, I got them really cheap on a Black Friday deal one time. It was like fifteen for one, and that's awesome. Twenty five or thirty for the other. I was like, well, okay, okay. I like this idea. I like this idea a lot. It feels good too. Um, awesome. I just, I just have to deal with. I have to get myself to the to the thing that it's like, oh, I have, I have. Uh, I like a, the idea of using that old idea about him ascending. You know. Um, during a canon event at SGC. And I think we did probably mention the plague once too during that. It is fun. It kind of brings it full circle. I don't remember that, yeah. very, that podcast very well. I, I know we did definitely discussed the, the, um, the ascension um, through being killed while dead air. I'm during the events of dead air. Yeah. I liked it. And we also worked out the kinks of why he would ascend. Um, and if it's based on his genetics through the shepherds, 
And then I like taking the angst out of it, but it really does. The plot line really does lend itself to this pairing. I thought I would never write again, but that's okay. If I'm not really focusing on the romance angle, I think that, um, but I think it, it also resonates because I do think that it would be very impactful for both of them. And um, I think that also having him ascend like that, I think it would loosen Gibbs up and you could take his character in a, in a more positive direction than he, than he goes in Canon. It would soften him too. Cause it would be a very eye opening experience to watch somebody ascend. Yeah. Very. To shed their human existence for a higher plane. I mean, that's just like, that's the stuff of, well, religion but you know what i mean it's like you know that's a pretty that'd be a pretty intense experience to have especially if he already has these feelings for tony that he's been ignoring because he didn't think it was a good idea and he didn't want to get hurt and then then he's hurt anyway and i think that him and jack could actually connect over this because jack's had this experience too and jack could probably see that grief in in gibbs the grief that he didn't allow himself to express that we saw so perfectly expressed when that other guy was living Jack's memories. And just the overwhelming grief he went through when Daniel Jackson ascended. You should watch that episode. Um, it's um, the episode where, they, where you find out that O'Neill's been carrying this device around in his pocket like the whole time. And this guy found another one in a garage sale and he's been living Jack's memories and Jack's been like dreaming about his or whatever, but he thought it was like some kind of stress relief ancient toy and he was just keeping it to himself, except it wasn't. So this guy was living Jack's memories and the, the moment he, Daniel Jackson's death left the guy on the ground crying like a baby. Cause he got yeah. all of O'Neill's grief piled on him. And which which episode was this? I don't remember. I feel like I've seen this. Um, this is the first Ascension, right? When he died on yeah. that planet. Yeah, where he got the radiation exposure from um, Jonas's planet. Uh, it's Meridian. Daniel's exposed to a lethal dose of radiation while attempting to fill a reactor on a planet Langara. Um, so that is yep, season five. Uh, season five. Give me the in that episode number. They say it's penultimate, which I know means the last second of the last, but SG1 season five. Meridian. It's called Citizen Joe. Citizen and Joe. And he has um he um he has the ATA gene. And basically um he has this device that he activated by accident, and Jack has one too. And so he's been seeing missions. Season one through season eight of Jack O'Neill's life. Oh, so this doesn't actually take place like right after Meridian. So this is original air date, January 8, 2005. It's episode Joe. season eight, episode 15. Season eight. So it shows the stuff that happened when Daniel died on Longara or whatever that planet was happened three episodes or three seasons earlier 
An Indiana barber who carries the AT gene has his life ruined when through an ancient really ruined harsh when through an ancient device he begins to have visions of SG one's mission. I vaguely remember this. I don't know why it's not sticking with me more. And um, well, basically, it does ruin his life because he thinks he's hallucinating. And he tries to pass it off as um, um, stories that he's telling everybody, except his wife is ready to divorce him. I mean, because he thinks he's going crazy, and everybody around him does too. But the really funny part is he tried to sell these stories as, um, but basically he was writing, he was like rewriting O'Neill's mission reports, and O'Neill was kind of like offended that no one wanted to buy his mission reports. <laughs> I mean, it would have been terrible if they had, but he was like, no one? <laughs> so O'Neill was offended that no one wanted to buy his mission reports. Okay. That goofball. Okay. In this plot, in this plot, Gibbs definitely feels like the better fit for pairing. Well, Tony's and Tony's going to feel an obligation to the SGs to um, continue to handle shit in, in Pegasus because if he made a deal with Janice, so he's going to have to have faster transportation. So he's going to find enough ZPMs to bring some back through. Where are they in the construction of the gate bridge at this point? They're, it's not done yet, right? That's what we were talking um, about. The gate bridge isn't, isn't done okay. yet. Okay. By, by the long goodbye, there is enough of the gate bridge in place that it could be navigated through with a um, jumper. Because all the gates on either side, and they were just, they were at that point building Midway Station. Okay. So. It, but people can come through from Atlantis because Atlantis has a ZPM. So if they find several and they bring one through. They might still want to create the. I don't know. Would they would they even finish the construction of the gate bridge if they if they have a ZPM? They might still finish the bridge because it would be less energy. Because the way they set the gate bridge up is that it would be just basically like dialing a gate in their own galaxy. It would be very minimal of um, energy use, but. If they have the ZPM, they could bypass the bridge that's currently under construction and, and dial Earth. But I still think they would complete the bridge because it would be less power and they would want to preserve as much power as they possibly could. Even if they had three ZPMs. I mean, they're almost done anyway. Yeah, so they go ahead and finish it's, it. And, and it's a good stopgap. It's a good security measure. Yeah. To make sure that... Because Tony's going to have like words with... Elizabeth about the way she's running Atlantis. Well, he's going to have words with Jack about the way Elizabeth is running Atlantis. Well, actually, Gibbs would have already done it. If during the debrief, when he found out they weren't using an alpha site to dial, once he reads the mission report about the Jedi getting a hold of the city, mm -hmm. he's going to be like, really? Mm -hmm. Really? Actually, Jack should have a problem with that, too. I think the only reason why nobody had a problem with it was because Landry was in charge. That's my headcanon, and nobody is going to be able to talk me out of it. I think it's true, though. Because he didn't give a shit. Or maybe he didn't have enough experience to give a shit. Because he struck me as a, a, a desk jockey from long back. I thought he had a bit of, of um, combat experience. He just didn't sit right with the character. So he has no idea. Why they put somebody with zero gate experience in the seat makes no sense to me whatsoever. I mean, Hammond, they didn't know what they were getting into, and he learned along the way. But eight years in, 
They put somebody in the seat who has never been through the gate? Really? Yeah, that really doesn't make any sense. So Gibbs could have had quite an effect on... Yeah. Just just being Gibbs. Yeah. And, J- and just Jack still being in position at the SGC where he's more hands-on. And he goes, no, 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 no. This is not the way things work here. His debrief with with John could have been gone really a lot different if, you know, John walks through. I still think, I think that, um, I have to wonder, do you think Jack would have left Elizabeth in charge? Not if he got a whole picture. A whole unbiased picture. No. And Gibbs could have been, Gibbs could have been part of that voice of reason. I do have this to say. I think Gibbs would have sat at his empty pond once before he insisted it be stocked. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but look, I am willing to come out here and fish with you. But there's going to be need to be some fish in this pond. <laughs> why are there no fish in this? It could be a, he'd be like looking around going, "Why are there no fish in this pond? Why are there no fish in this pond?" I I'm, came out here with the anticipation that I would catch and be able to eat a fish. I'm not okay with this <laughs> lack of fish. Jack could be like, "Okay, look, I'll, I'll." Everyone else has been okay with the fish, been okay with this fish situation. What is the matter with you? I'll stock this pond with fish if you tell me how you get your boat out of the basement. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I definitely have to use that. I definitely have to use that. That is priceless. Oh, because sometimes fans say that he burns them. That that would be ridiculous. You could not burn a boat well, in the basement. Had- he well, he has to. Well, he, I would assume he burns him in the backyard, but he ha- would have to eventually get the boat out, though, because otherwise, um, if he doesn't eventually get the boat out, yeah, because he gives one to Mike Franks, yeah, he gives one to his goddaughter, yeah. So it can't be that they never get out, it doesn't make sense because then how could he build another one? I assume, actually, that he makes it in such a way that it could be taken apart. That parts of it, that they can be almost, like, not completely disassembled, but disassembled enough to be removed from the house. I mean, some of the fan theories about, like, that there's a door that opens up or that the, there's one, there's one story where it's like the whole um, garage floor kind of slides back. It was what he used his insurance money after Shannon died to build. That sounds like a ridiculous waste of money. It's a ridiculous waste of money. So, um, but there's there's one that's just like that the garage door, that the back of the, I think the most probable way is that there's one where it's like the back door of the basement is isn't a back door. It's like it, it's not it's not a wall. It's a door, and it leads to a ramp that goes up into the backyard. Like so, his because because his is a half basement. It's not a full basement. He has windows. Yeah, he has windows. Yeah, so uh, yeah, that makes sense to me. We're like, okay, we, we can get behind that. We can get behind that level of absurdity, but perhaps not. But, but where is he building his boat now? <laughs> at Jack building a boat <laughs> at Jack's house, of course. Jack's like, I need a place. Tony's, like, you know, gives like, I need a place to build a boat. And Jack would be like, I thought that was just a rumor. No. No, no. I'm going to need a place to build my boat. 
There's an actual boat. It would be really interesting how they disappeared because they would all, because it, it, it would be like one minute they're in DC and the next minute, not only would they all be gone, but their, but their houses would be stripped bare. I mean, it would be like, well, who, who would even notice that though, except Abby? Abby and, she, and that's why Abby would lose her shit. She could start writing a conspiracy theory blog about the whole thing. Oh, that would get her in so much trouble. Poor Ducky. And, you know, and Jack, we really don't need a medical examiner here. I, I hear you. I hear you, Gibbs. But an Emmy is just not something we need. We, we hope, I mean, we just don't want there to be that much death around here. We, we try to keep the casualties to, well, try to keep the fatalities to a minimum. How about a psychologist? <laughs> Criminal profiler. <laughs> yeah, this is good. I like it. I like the title. It feels good. Sometimes you just, you get, you get the idea going and you're like, okay, this feels right. I like it. It does feel right. It, it, it feels really good and it feels, um, but it also feels quiet and lovely and um, romantic. Yeah, and it has, even though there's the death and the grieving, and there'll be a death and a mourning phase in there, and, and difficulty getting past it, um, and that kind of stuff, even though that those aspects will be present, it'll still be this element of, it, it won't have the, the, the built-in angst that, that exists in the Teen Wolf fandom. With, I mean, you just can't write anything, pretty much. Right. But there's also hope. It would actually be a pitiful hope in a lot of ways because every time Gibbs would see Daniel Jackson, he would see the potential for Tony to return. Yeah. And actually that could be like a moment between, you know, Gibbs and Gibbs and Daniels, you know, um, Daniel could be like, you got to stop, um, you know, looking for him to turn up. You got to stop. You got to live your life. If he hasn't come back now, he's, he's not gonna. If he's not. If he's, was, Daniel Jackson was gone for over a year, or almost right. a year. But the visiting—I mean, in the terms of the visiting—right? Be like, if he's not visiting you, he's not going to visit you. And they may have stopped. They may have. They may be preventing him, and that's just the way it is, you know. Because, and Daniel could even feel some inappropriate guilt. It's like I may have ruined that. I may have ruined that for him, and I'm sorry that he may not be able to be in touch. Which Daniel would have no business feeling guilty about that because, you know, but that they, Daniel could infer that, that if Tony hasn't visited, it's because Tony doesn't, that they've stopped him. But then Tony comes back and he's like, no, man, he's like, you tell Gibbs, like, I'm just, I knew, I knew that if they were watching me closely, that if they thought for a second that I was uh, going to, you know, break the rules, that they were going to dump me naked on some planet somewhere. And I am not Daniel Jackson. People were not just going to miraculously come to my aid. So there wasn't going to just be miraculously people showing up at the right time in the right place to get my naked butt. So <laughs> so I had, to, I had to make a plan, Gibbs. Is there a rule about plans? And my plan was to not give them any reason to suspect me, which meant I couldn't visit. I'm sorry because my end game was to come back. I think okay. it'd be great. It'd be great. Okay, so we're I'm set. So this was a little bit a more started off as a bounce session and kind of went to I mean a, a brainstorming session that did and ultimately wind up in a, a an idea bounce and like to plot and yeah storm bounce plot <laughs> That's the whole thing. 
It's good though. I like it. It's a really good idea. And I think listen, the tension um, is there, there's a, there's a lot of tension in it. It's it's really interesting and unique. So it'll be a lot of fun. I've never actually read a story where Tony ascends. I haven't either. Um, although I've talked about it a few times, so I mean, it it could be that it's it's out there already. I just haven't run across it, but um, I'm I'm intrigued by the idea. And I like and I like that and I like that Gibbs is there for for the ascension. I think that could be really interesting. Now I just need to not get irritated at Gibbs in the next month. Month. It's only a, oh my god, it's only a month. <sighs> Earth trade's only a month away. Yep. Holy hell. Sign up to start Tuesday. I believe. Yeah, yeah, Tuesday. Holy Hannah Banana. Better get your bell over photo jet and make you a banner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because the art I had for November sure the fuck ain't gonna work now. But it feels it feels I had it. You know my my gut about November was like if I'm gonna do something it's gonna be Stargate or NCIS because I think that I need that break from mm -hmm. um, the other the other fandoms I'm interested in writing in right now and I definitely don't want to pick up Hannibal right now. <laughs> Just, I just, right. I am. I am not. I'm. I just. I'm I still told, determined. I, I'm I not told going people there. in the. I told a lot of people in my, uh, my 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 little author desk last night, which actually went very well. There were a lot of questions. I mean, there oh, were good. enough questions to fill up two and a half hours. I I just saw me. the I saw the questions you know ringing through the in the in the yeah. I saw there were a bunch of questions so, yeah, it, even before the podcast. I didn't actually leave till eight fifteen, so the podcast was. Underway it went really well. So yeah, I'll have to finish editing that up and get it up. It, it, it went really well. I was really surprised. Um, I think we probably need more warning to do somebody else, mm -hmm. you know, and curate some questions. Mm -hmm. uh, so, but um, what was I going to say? Oh, I told them that I couldn't write in the um, Hannibal fandom because I wasn't a good enough cook. <laughs> <laughs> Well, like I said, who knew that the that the stumbling point would be over your your cooking ability rather than the ingredients? <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, I, saw, I mean, I'm just not Alton Brown enough to write in quantum uh, um in Hannibal. So, but I saw the podcast link library that Blackbird was in there. And I was like, it must have come up during the podcast. Han yeah, that, it did. It did. Yeah. Julie corrupted Kira. Look at what I did. <laughs> Yeah. Did you read the Wish Baby story? They were asked, someone asked me about what fandoms I, I, that I was interested in, and I you know as a reader versus a writer, and I was talking about what my, well, they meant as a writer, but I talked about both and how that there are fandoms that I read in that I would not write in for various reasons. Um, and I said that you know that um, that Hannibal is one of them, and I explained that I wasn't Alton Brown. It's a very disappointing <laughs> time for me. <laughs> I told myself. But, but, but those in those little those little lines and those Hannibal fix, where he is outright admitting that he's a cannibal to these people and they don't even notice. Uh -huh. Yeah, it's like hello. I can't even with you. But I told my sister about our, about the whole thing, right? And then I recommended Blackbird to you and everything. And um, I didn't tell her, you know, the name of the story or anything about the, but I told her I recommended a Hannibal story too. She gave me this look. Oh, it, the, the look on her face was just, I don't know. It was, it was, it was intense. She gave me this look. And finally I told her what you said about not being out in Brown. And she gives me another look and she goes, who's out in Brown? <laughs> I went, that's it. Now I'm, now I'm giving you the look. <laughs> what the hell? What do you mean who's out in Brown? 
<sighs> things I put up with. Anyway, I think this was a good bounce. And um, if you end up uh, comfortable after a rough trade, we can um, post it and it'll be good. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. Okay. So let's tell Chad to thank you for your Bye -bye. service, Chad. <laughs> good night, Chad. Say good night, Jilly. Good night, everyone.